Breaking up is hard to do, but when it comes to your wireless carrier, you should have left a while ago. You're over the big three carriers. You deserve better. Xfinity Mobile. Now you can get unlimited with 5G included for just $30 a month on the nation's fastest, most reliable network. So break free from the big three and save with Xfinity Mobile. Take the savings challenge at XfinityMobile.com slash MySavings to see how much you can save when you get Xfinity Mobile and Internet together. Reduced speeds at 20 gigabytes per line. Most reliable based on Root Metrics U.S. report. Results vary, not an endorsement. This week on Not Sam Wrestling, my guest is R-Truth. We'll get into the 24-7 title, his past, his future, what that legacy means. Plus, we're going to get into all the wrestling that went down over the weekend, including NXT TakeOver UK. We're going to talk about returns that may be happening at the Royal Rumble. And a whole lot more. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host, from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Hey guys, welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. Starting another week in this great big wide world of ours, the only way we know how, with a ton of great wrestling content. Welcome to the show. Our truth is on today's show. We'll talk about that in a little bit. We got a lot to cover in the state of wrestling. It was a ridiculous weekend. Ridiculous weekend for content. I feel like every weekend is a ridiculous weekend for content. I'm still catching up on Wrestle Kingdom weekend. Three nights of it. I mean, think about it. Just in a regular week, you've got Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW. Just if you just do that. The bare bones. That's the bare bones. That's the basics. You're at two, four, six, nine hours of wrestling. If there's one pay-per-view over the weekend, you're at four. So that brings you to 13 hours of wrestling in a given week. And then if you want to explore anything outside of the mainstream, forget about it. We haven't even gotten into all of WWE's offerings. An extra hour a week for NXT UK plus takeovers. NXT takeovers, extra couple hours, three hours a week. Then you get into the the independent wrestling. You know, 205 Live, don't forget, that's an extra hour a week. Then you get into the stuff that's on the uh, Fight TV app or the independent wrestling TV app. And you've got stuff happening every weekend. So for me, this weekend looked like, uh, I guess, Saturday, Friday, of course, it was SmackDown. So Thursday, it was taping this podcast. I'm not going back to Wednesday. I can't. That's why I do two podcasts a week now. I can't even consider, there's too much content in one week to really consider it a week's worth of stuff. So we have to do it by the half week now. So we'll start with Thursday. Thursday, record this podcast. Friday, SmackDown. Saturday, there were a couple of different options on Saturday. Some people, I know uh, there were people uh, in the, not Sam Wrestling Shill Discord room that you get access to via Patreon that were watching uh, Ring of Honor. I was watching uh, Game Changer Wrestling, GCW, I Can't Feel My Face. That was my Saturday evening. It was a great show. I mean, I love, I'm a sucker for East Coast Indies and Deathmatch Wrestling. And as you know from the podcast that I did with the bulldozer Matt Tremont, I'm, uh, I'm, I, I love that Deathmatch Wrestling as a niche 
has made a comeback in 2019 and 2020. And people are, uh, it's just, it's the culture that we live in. It's the world that we live in that, that people who enjoy niche, you can find your niche. If you're celebrating a niche that's not going to appeal to the mainstream, you can still find that niche and you can find everybody that wants to see it can find it. And so I watched that GCW. That was Saturday. And then Sunday afternoon was NXT TakeOver UK, which we'll talk about a whole bunch in the State of Wrestling segment. And of course, Sunday night was Impact Wrestling. So hard to kill. So it's just nonstop. And this wasn't a special weekend. This was a typical weekend. I don't know yet what's happening next weekend. I'm sure there's stuff. I just haven't looked. And then the weekend after that, Friday is SmackDown. Saturday is Worlds Collide. Sunday is Royal Rumble. And then we get into WrestleMania season. So strap in, kids. Don't start any new hobbies. If there's a commercial for a new TV show coming out that you're like, I might give that a shot. Nope, not going to happen. There's too much wrestling to watch. And then us podcasters are sitting there like, hey, in the 20 minutes that you have free, that you're not working or taking care of your kids or watching wrestling, why don't you listen to me talk about wrestling on this podcast? But hey, people love content. So what can I tell you? I'll keep creating it as long as people love it. Um, do want to say that we lost we lost a legend. We lost La Parca. Now, this week, this was on uh, over the weekend, I think uh, Saturday, news broke that after an accident that had happened in the ring in November that La Parca had never recovered from, he passed away uh, over the weekend in the hospital. Look, this isn't the WCW La Parca because I know that a lot of people, and it sucks that the obituary had to say RIP La Parca, not that La Parca because immediately... And I saw it. They did such a good job. Triple A, everybody involved, did such a good job of making sure that everybody knew who didn't know the history that La Parca as a character had shifted over to another wrestler. Because I saw a lot of people, even after that, even after that word was was getting out as much as humanly possible, so many people tweeting pictures of La Parca on Nitro. So after... La Parca on WCW in AAA another person started using the La Parca gimmick it's kind of like Sin Cara in WWE AAA claimed ownership over the La Parca gimmick and so they gave it to somebody else this that's the person who unfortunately passed away the original La Parca that you might have seen on Nitro he now wrestles as LA Park so if you see somebody that looks like La Parca, but, and he's wrestling like an independent show because he still wrestles indie shows. And it says LA Park on the headline. And you're like, oh, what is this, a fake La Parca? No, technically it's not a fake La Parca. Technically that's the La Parca that you, if you grew up watching Raw and Nitro, probably remember. Uh, but that said, this La Parca had been, was just as much a legend in AAA, I think. Um and certainly the whole Latin wrestling community was grieving and a lot of people beyond that, that, that AAA reaches. But anybody that's watched AAA in the last, you know, couple of decades probably that was a fan of La Parca lost, uh, lost a big one. And uh, it's a real bummer. It's a bummer when anything like that happens. But rest in peace to AAA's La Parca.
Uh, as I said, this week on the podcast, R Truth is my guest. Now, uh, I love talking to R Truth. The last time we spoke, it was over the summer. It was at a SummerSlam media event, and it was in person alongside Carmella. And I was thinking about Truth and the 24-7 championship. Because when I interviewed Truth and Carmella, that was an act. It was a 24-7 title act. It was R-Truth and Carmella. And I started thinking about all the different iterations we've already seen of R-Truth from that title. The way R-Truth has kind of evolved with it, you know, from R-Truth and Carmella with Carmella jumping on Truth's back, Truth jumping on Carmella's back, racing through everything to the rivalry between Drake Maverick and R-Truth, to the rivalry between Elias and R-Truth, to now the rivalry between the Singh brothers and R-Truth. It is kind of amazing that this title that I think a lot of us don't really think about has three significant rivalries associated with it, as well as all of the extracurriculars around the title. You know, the, uh, the celebrities and the newscasters and those people that have all been able to win the championship or the New Year's Eve title change or the house show title changes or the WWE employee that won it or Mike Rome, the announcer winning it. or You know, we remember all that more than we realize that there are actually storylines associated with this thing. And I think the Drake Maverick storyline is, is at the time it was happening, was one of the most entertaining parts of Monday Night Raw. So... We talked a lot about the 24-7 championship and and the whys it exists and kind of the positives of it. But, you know, you also got to think about R-Truth and his whole career. I was Googling R-Truth before this interview because you fall into it. I mean, obviously, I know the guy. Obviously, I've interviewed him many times before. But I didn't want to just kind of sit there and have a chat with him that I hadn't thought about a little bit. And I really did take a step back because it's not like I don't know this. But I really did have to take a step back and look at how truth has just not only survived but evolved and prosper in an ever-changing wrestling landscape. He came into WWE, I think, in like 2000 when he was K-Quick. Get rowdy. About to move some things. And he and Road Dogg were a tag team, which is a lot of pressure coming off of the New Age Outlaws. But he lasted in WWE as K-Quick maybe three years or so, I want to say. He was there for like three years, and then he was gone. And, and you you almost thought as a fan that, okay, I guess we're done. We're done with that. Like, it was one of those releases where you were like, okay, I guess uh, the K-Quick thing happened, and that was cool, and we're moving on. But he went over to TNA and became Ron the Truth Killings, and... A whole new life was breathed into him, I think, as a performer. And that's when people started looking at him as more of a main event person. He was a former NWA champion over there. And he ends up coming back to WWE, which I think a lot of people probably thought in 2003 or whenever it was that he was first released, that that would be it for him. But he came back to WWE in 2003. And, you know, he was a serious baby face. He was a goofy baby face. He was a serious bad guy, you know, when he had the main event pay-per-view match at, uh, I want to say Capital Punishment was the name of the pay-per-view, where it was John Cena versus R-Truth. Look, it's not looked at by a lot of people as favorable, but I thought R-Truth made a believable bad guy. He committed to it. 
he started smoking cigarettes on TV because bad guys smoked cigarettes. It was the whole thing. He ended up being in a tag team with The Miz. It was The Miz and R-Truth that actually gave The Rock his first match back in WWE in however many years. It was The Miz and R-Truth versus John Cena and The Rock at the Survivor Series before The Rock and John Cena's first WrestleMania match. And, and then you look at the little Jimmy stuff and you look at all the kind of wacky stuff that's happened in the last few years, the bringing out the ladder during the uh, money in the bank, the getting confused at the elimination chamber, the all, everything. Coming out and like, you know, hey, I'm here to do this. Truth, you're not even in this match. Oh, my bad. And just becoming an entertainer. The entertainer that he's become in the last few years is pretty remarkable, you know, because that's not a skill that you can just pick up. So, and then with this 24-7 title, I mean, I think that he is the lifeblood at this point behind that title. So there was a lot to talk to R-Truth about. We got into as much as we could as we welcomed R-Truth back to Not Sam Wrestling. The Not Sam Wrestling interview. What up, Sam? What's going on, man? Ladies and gentlemen. Man, you know. 29-time, 24-7 WWE champion, our truth. I do know what's going on. Yes, you do. But you left out 48-7-7-11, and I'm European. Yeah. No, I did leave those things out. I thought they were just made up, but I will include them if you want. I can put them onto the record. Yes, please, Sam. Give <laughs> people the correct title. <laughs> You're right. Did you ever think, you know, you... You're, you're 20 years now, 20 years, if not more, actually more than 20 years into this wrestling career of yours. Did you think that 2019 would be the year that you would set the biggest title record of your entire career? Absolutely not. Absolutely not, man. Uh, I knew I had promising things uh, to happen to me things that I felt and knew, but this is one of them that just, like, came out of nowhere, far left field. Well, I feel like it's also one of those things that it's all about what you make of it, right? I, I remember the 24-7 championship getting introduced to the world and people being extraordinarily skeptical of it. People going like, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's dumb, it's this, it's that. And I feel like, like you and a bunch of other people in the... 24 7, 48, 365 European US Open title division. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I feel like you and your comrades said, we can make the most of this opportunity and we can turn it into something. Man, Sam, it's pretty much like life, man. Right. You take what you get and you make something with it, man. And. They call this title, man, everything. They say it was ugly. And I, man, this title ain't nothing but what you make it, you know? And me and my colleagues have made the best of it, man. We, we took some, I guess, you can say shiz it and made lemonade out of it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. yeah. They didn't want to give it a chance, man. They didn't want to give it a chance at all, man. Like, oh, man, look how ugly that belt is. When Mick Foley pulled it out of the bag, man, they said the belt was so ugly. When it was a baby, they put it in an incubator with tinted windows. <laughs> that's how ugly the belt was. Oh, that's ugly. Now, 
Huh? Now that's ugly. That's ugly, right? Yeah. But now everybody loves it, man. Yeah. Everybody loves it, man. Everybody wants to hold it. Is it is there a part of you, right, that when you start like getting positive feedback on the stuff that you're doing, as much as it feels good, right? And it's uh, like, oh, okay, great, I'm doing a good job. Is there a part of you going, I was I've read what you said before. I know none of you had faith in this. Don't try to jump on this bandwagon now. Um, no. <laughs> That's probably good. That's, that, no, no, because because I knew I, I yeah, it's true, I knew what they said, what they said, but when I can change their opinion of something that they've seen and felt so strongly about and commented about, when I can change it, it's like it never happened before. How how deep in they do you will end up saying they Go ahead. will end up saying, Oh man, I didn't like this deal at first or I don't remember what I talked about, or they were in a sense before I, I think about you didn't like this girl no more because I turned them. Right, right, and that's part of it. I mean, it's almost better that they didn't come in with high expectations because that means that you turned them, right? That 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 says a lot about what you're doing, right? How uh, how deep would you say into your career did you have to be before you could understand what to do with these opportunities and what you would make of them? I mean, I would imagine that if somebody came to you as a much younger man, let's say you're at the beginning of your career and you win a title and they come to you and they say, okay, tonight the ring announcer is going to beat you for your title. There must've been a time in your career where you'd say, what? I'm not losing to a ring announcer. Why am I going to lose this title to a ring? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely right, man. What sense do that make me losing to a damn ring announcer? (laughs) Y'all crazy. That's a bunch of buffoonery. Um, Absolutely right, fam, man. Um, I'm I'm a more mature, grown. I'm a grown man now, mm-hmm. and a, a younger R Truth, man, a younger K Quick. Um, absolutely right, man. Um, and this takes, I guess, being molded by the business, being molded by life, being molded by the fans, um, being molded by your career, uh, your desire to like constantly perfect your craft in this business, trying to stay on top of the game, reinventing yourself, man. With all that maturity, everything said, man, it just Push you at a different mindset in life. And now, like I said, you take shit and make lemonade out of it. If the ring announcer is going to beat me tonight and I just want this and that, I'll make it the best ring announcement win victory you ever seen in your life. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like your whole 24-7 title run has been about bringing credibility back to the schoolboy, back to the roll-up. Now, at any moment, a roll-up could win a match. There we, for Forever, we saw people kicking out of roll-ups. Now, anybody can get anybody with a roll-up, and they're going to get the three count. Bro, and, and it's funny now, right? Because now regular matches are winning with roll-ups too now. Yeah. Like, people forgot. <laughs> they forgot, man. But now, bro, we, we, we're opening their eyes up to the realization of everything now. When you see, right, so like uh, I was I was actually recently looking at your WWE debut from 2000. So you're or, or, or yeah, I think it was 2000 when you came out and uh, and surprised as a surprise uh, backup for Road Dog. When you're now looking how maybe it was 2003, whatever it was, 17 years later, 20 years later, when you're in WWE now and you cross paths with Road Dog and you see Road Dog is now a man in a suit who's contributing in a whole different way to the business creatively and, and becoming a new part of the way, you know, the machine continues to run. Do you think you look at him and go, Oh man, I can't wait to stop taking bumps and put a suit on and and do something else. Or does he look at you and go, 
oh man, he still gets to go out there and be in front of the crowd every night. <laughs> um, damn, man, I, I never asked that question before, man. That's a good question. Yes. Um, I don't know, man. Me and me and Road Dog, me and Brian, man, like we 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 are friends. First of all, mm-hmm. we're friends. We feel like we're family, man. Um, and it's just a, I think it's a mutual respect thing when we see each other now, man. It's uh, we can look at each other's eyes and know what each other's thinking, thought about. Um, the appreciativeness of, of both of us, man. Uh, bro, from where I come from to like getting my first contract and to like, I remember like yesterday, Road Dog coming in and I was like, hey man, Billy Gunn's out uh, for shoulder surgery. Uh, would you mind being my tag partner? And I'm like, you want me to be your tag partner? Man, it's just like nothing but the most love and respect for Road Dog, man. And if you put him in a square circle right now, he can still dizzle and do his thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I think it's just a mutual respect for, for each other, man. Uh, he likes the fact that I'm still in the ring. He he pops every time. He's like, <laughs> bro, you're still doing splits. Like, you're still... And I'm like, yeah, man, you got to get some 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 spiffier suits, too, you know? So it's like, <laughs> we're jumping each other about what we're doing, you know? It's like, we're there. We're both in the same saddle, man. When who do you, who, who are the people that you think taught you the most about the entertainment aspect of, of sports entertainment? Because I feel like that's where you've continued to develop more and more. And when you look at the, the, this part of your career, the later part of your career, you've put all the emphasis on the entertainment part for the most part. And that's not, I mean, for a lot of wrestlers, the entertainment part is the part that does not come naturally for a lot of wrestlers. They have the athletics, they have the in-ring skill, they have all this stuff, but the entertainment part, which I think is the most important part, doesn't necessarily come naturally to everybody. Who did you kind of pick up on that section of the business from? Oh, man. Um, two people. One person I studied and the other one kind of talked and pretty much guided me into it is I watched The Rock and Vince McMahon. Vince is um, he's the godfather of entertainment, man. He, he, uh, he would talk to me. I would do promo, Sam. I would do... Uh, interviews and do things that Vince was like, that's not our truth. Who the hell was that? That's You're entertaining. You can speak and be entertaining. You can go in the ring and be entertaining. You can just be around people and be entertaining, man. And I know naturally I'm an entertaining guy. It's like you can't go, I don't know if college has a class where you can go and learn how to be entertaining, uh, but it's just, I think it's something that naturally people have in them and it just has to be brought out. Yeah. Um, I've always had it. I've always liked it with my music. Um, uh, just with being funny. I've always had the entertainment. And to be in a business like wrestling and be able to like use that, add that as a, uh, I guess, as, a, as another little uh, thing I have, a little niche, it just brings it full circle to me. Do you, when you have somebody like Vince McMahon, who's as invested as he is in the character, to the point that he's telling you that's not what our truth sounds like, that th- this isn't our truth, that's our truth. When you realize, wow, Vince McMahon is going home and he is thinking about who our truth is, does that give you confidence in the sense that Vince McMahon thinks enough of me that he's taking my character and investing in it? Or does it put a ton of pressure on you because now you go, oh boy, this is something that he's got expectations for? Uh I'll take the first two, no pressure at all. Uh, appreciation. Yeah. Um, 
it's uh it's like honestly Sam man, I would say maybe like the last past two, three years, I've came into the character of like like I I, I put that suit on. I know who this character is. I I, I can make you laugh as I'm uh, just by saying biggity biggity big boo. You know what I'm I can <laughs> I can do what I wanna do now. And I, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I know it works. I know it works. And when Vince says this to me or says that to me, believe it or not, when I'm getting ready to do something or uh, whether speak or go out or whatever, I hear Vince in the back of my head, I you need to be yourself, you need to be our truth. This is what no what Archie wouldn't do that. He wouldn't say that. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't act that way. You're you're, you're acting sad. You're acting all our truth doesn't need sympathy from nobody. He doesn't need he don't Vince has told me who this character is and I know what he expects. Or like if I'm doing something and the guy's like, uh, I think that's great, we don't need to shoot it again. Uh no man, I think Vince's gonna want this right here, man. I know how Vince my about to do that. So it, it it's no pressure, it's just I'm appreciative to know what he expects and what he wants. You guys know how it is this day and age. Things are different than they used to be. There's an expectation for men to look good, to smell good, and to feel good. And it does make us feel good to look good and smell good, but this is all so foreign to people like me, to people like us. It becomes very, very overwhelming. This expectation came on board. You got to know what lotions to use, what 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 colognes, what everything. And it's very very complicated cuz I have no idea what that world is. I don't even know where to start. That's why I'm glad I found Hawthorne, okay? Yeah, I'm I'm overwhelmed by all these options just like you are. You're longing for a cologne that's going to make you stand out from the crowd in a good way, not in the way you are now. Everybody notices body odor. There's two things everybody notices. Body odor and amazing cologne. You want to be in the second category. You don't want to be in the first one, and you don't want to be the middle of unnoticed people. Wait till I tell you about Hawthorne. Visit Hawthorne's website, take a quick quiz, and Hawthorne will let you know the two colognes that are best suited for you. One for work and one for play, cologne that is perfectly and uniquely matched to your lifestyle. See, you didn't even think about that, did you? You're sitting there trying to figure out what cologne you want to buy, and you didn't even think about the fact that the things that you do during the day are going to impact the smell of the cologne. You're just sitting there going, just, just recommend me a good one. No. Leave it to Hawthorne. Explain who you are, and they explain what you need. It's really that easy. Personalized cologne, and it takes like two minutes. Plus, Hawthorne also offers additional personalized products like deodorant and shampoo and body wash. It's totally risk-free. They offer both free shipping and free returns. Look, it changed my life. It's something I don't need to think about because you go to the department store, you're going desk to desk. The lady goes, hello, sir, what can I help you with? And I go, I don't know. I don't know. Okay? I don't know. And she's like, all right, I'm going to move on to somebody else. I'm going to call security because I don't need you having a breakdown in this store. And I'd go, well, I don't need you putting this kind of pressure on me. And none of that had to happen. I could have just gone to Hawthorne, get the sense based on who I am, put them on, and then my wife goes, oh, my God, what is it that you're wearing? I smell incredible now. It's the best. I'll meet you guys in person, and you'll smell me, and you'll go, oh, my God, Sam smells so good. He must be a millionaire. No. Just use Hawthorne. Check out hawthorne.co. 
Hawthorne with an E dot C O and use my promo code, not Sam to get 10% off your first purchase. That's H A W T H O R N E dot C O and use my code, not Sam to get 10% off your first purchase. Hawthorne.co, promo code, not Sam. And that's got to give you confidence as a performer. Like That's got to feel good to know that you know well enough that if you need a second take, you are you know that we need to do a second take. Like, no matter what anybody says around, yeah. no, nope, we need to do a second one because that might have been good for you, but I know who the audience is here. Vince McMahon's the audience. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I know that at the yin-yang. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How do you, uh, what, what embarrasses you? I've been thinking about this because not only have you been able to go on television and make the most ridiculous things entertaining, but then I go online and I see that, uh, you are completely expanding your reach on social media. I watch you on TikTok, TikTok, spreading whipped cream all over your abs. I see you. Yeah. I see you in Walmart <laughs> taking your shirt off and standing in a shopping cart. And I swear, I look at these Walmart videos when you're action figure shopping, and I'm like trying to figure out like, is this a set? Is this a backdrop? Is this something? Because this man is not standing in the middle of a public Walmart, looking like our truth, full gimmick with no shirt on in the middle of the day. And I'm going, no, that's Walmart. He's He's standing up in a shopping cart right now. What in, what? in my wrestling gear? <laughs> yeah, that's in your gear. Looking at me. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> that's not. It's not like it's like incognito. Ronnie Killings is in Walmart doing something silly. It's hey, that's our truth. The star from television with no shirt on in his gear, standing up like he's an action figure in Walmart. Uh, <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> what embarrasses you? Like, what can somebody say? I want you to do this, and you go, no, I'm not going to do that. That 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 would make me feel silly. Um, I don't know, Sam. <laughs> I know my confidence, my confidence is so boosted. I'm so secure with myself as an individual, as a man, and, and as my character. To where, man, I feel like Superman. Dog. That's why I call myself the Suntan Superman. It's like, I I don't know what I don't know if I can be embarrassed, man. Um, I don't know. What a freedom. What a freedom to, to, to get to the point in life where you're like, no, I'm pretty confident that I can pull off just about anything and it's not going to embarrass me. I can. I can, Sam. I can, I can almost pull off anything, man. I was actually going to um, post a video of me pretending to lay some eggs like a chicken. <laughs> but, um, not, well, not lamb, but eat them up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Sit on like the mama do, man. But, like, even stuff like that, man. Like, you don't get, like, most guys from the streets or whatever to do nothing like that, like, but it doesn't hurt me, doesn't bother me. It, it's and it's real, man. Like the people still love to see me be me. That's me. That that's the R truth character. You don't know, he might he might light a cigarette up, he might talk to an imaginary guy, he might <laughs> take his shirt off in, in Walmart, he <laughs> might show up at a guy's honeymoon in the bedroom, he might truth there's no limit to the truth. Yeah, maybe maybe you'll just pop up online with some ridiculous teeth in your mouth saying, you know, lip syncing that you want a roast beef sandwich, but hold the beef because you don't like the violence. I don't like the violence. <laughs> that was good, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, dude, here's what I couldn't believe about that. I couldn't believe how long it went, and I was looking like where the takes are. I couldn't believe how long it was and how you oh, you knew every word to it. <laughs> <laughs> 
about me wanting to do, man, is like, you know what? I've been doing this now pretty long, but I'm people stay listening to uh, listen to it. And it's got a lot of views on it, man. It's got to. Now, when you come yeah. when you come home, right, and, 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 and you're with your wife, you're with your kid, you're with your family, whoever you're with, and you have to explain to them, look, we still got to make some content here. I know it's my day off. I know we want to, yeah, we're going to go do Walmart. We're going to go do the food shopping. But while we're at Walmart, I want to do this. Or I need you to film me. I'm going to put these teeth in and I'm going to lip sync this thing. Do, do, the, <laughs> do the people in your life understand that this is just the life that we're in now? Um, yes and no. Yes and no. Um, <laughs> I, I do get that, um, oh my gosh, dad, again, are you serious? Are you going to like, dad, are you going to really do that? Mm -hmm. Dad, all my friends at school, since you're the leading guy on TikTok now, like all my whole class, look, my daughter's 12 years old, and my wife's like, honey, are you going to film something now while we're eating? Okay, now we, we finish eating back. Uh, uh, honey, could you just take half the day and film? Like, yeah. There's some time I don't know when to quit, man, but my mind, man, uh, just being in this business, man, I, I'm a creative person, and I'm always thinking of something to create. I feel like we got nothing on this earth, man, but time, and I try to, like, make the best of any free time I got. Yeah. And I feel like uh, being creative is, is where my niche is at. And it's tough to not take advantage of the fact that we live in this time where you can just create content at any given moment and put it out to people immediately, right? Bro, this is this is this this is the almost like the American dream, man. Yeah. You know, like um it's free to do that. It's free to be creative. It's it's free to make somebody feel good about something you posted or to make somebody laugh or to to change and break the monotony of somebody's day. I mean that's like that come at no cost to me. What is your what does your kids say? Because TikTok is generally for the children. So, you know, I would imagine your twelve year old that's what they say that's what they say. <laughs> I would imagine. You know, I'm competing against Rock and Kevin Hart. They're on there too now. Oh, uh, well, of course. They're following our truth. What does your kid say about the fact that, like, now all her classmates, you know, whether they were watching wrestling or not, they're definitely all on TikTok. They're now all seeing you look like a, look, look like a fool. Is she? Does she love it? A buffoon. Does, a buffoon. <laughs> does, she, does, does she? Does she enjoy the fact that? Because I would imagine her friends probably love it. Because you know, I mean, if I was a kid and my friend's dad was doing this on on TikTok, I'd be obsessed with it. But if my dad was doing it on yes. TikTok, I would probably not be as obsessed with it. <laughs> no, man, my daughter loves it. She does. Uh, my -year -old, my, oh, yeah, she love it, man. She's like, Dad, will you be my friend? They've been watching you, following you on TikTok. <laughs> you know, everybody watches you on TikTok with the teeth in your mouth. Or she'll go back and um look at the ones. She loves the teeth. And she'll go back and look at the teeth. Like, um, she promotes her dad as much as she can. That's incredible. Now, that's the American that's dream. The, I love it. <laughs> that's, that, yeah, yeah, that's that's, love that's the most she could ever ask for. Did you realize, by the way, yes. the Fox deal... The WWE made would not only be so good for WWE, but be so good for our truth. The whole thing starts with you getting to have an impromptu match with half of Fox's broadcast team, and then you end 2019. And this, to me, as a wrestling fan and somebody who's been watching wrestling for you know 30 years at this point, I don't know if people really understood what a big deal it was to have as much WWE representation as there was on New Year's Eve 
in Times Square on Fox with Steve Harvey, with Maria Menounos. The fact that not only were you guys there, but you were carrying out storylines. The 24-7 title was getting thrown around. Like, I mean, I thought that was enormous. Sam, thank you for that, man. And I felt that in my heart and my soul, man. And I want to go on record right now telling Vince, thank you for, for giving me the opportunity. I want to thank Fox for giving me the opportunity, man. And no, I didn't know I would get as much coverage, as, as, as wide range as I'd gotten with this Fox deal, man. It, it's, it's, it's helped the, the 24-7 title and the WWE brand just as much as, as USA been helping, man. It's like, you would be... I would, Man, I'm I'm not surprised at how many people watched the New Year's Eve thing. I didn't know how big of a deal it was. Mm-hmm. Um, the ball dropping it and, and the New Year's thing, you know, you hear about it. But to be there and witness that, man, that was a huge deal. Probably like one of the biggest deals, biggest things I've been in, man, in 2019. Yeah. Did you, uh, do you have a favorite? Because I feel like, too, I was thinking about it, especially when I saw it on New Year's Eve. But you've seen it pop up, whether it was at Comic-Con, whether it was at like I said, like the Fox upfronts, all these spots, the 24-7 title, whether people realize it or not, has become this thing that WWE has never had where they could actually send talent to these spots. And instead of just having guys like you show up and explain to the world what WWE is, you can actually give them an example. You can you can go into their world. They don't have to enter into the WWE world anymore that you and Mojo or Elias or Drake or the Singh brothers, whoever it is, you guys can show up now and have been showing up into anybody else's world. And all of a sudden, yes. the WWE is in their world and, 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 and their eyes are on it. And it's, it's, it's this, I, to me, it's this great commercial for the product that didn't exist before. Sam, you get it, man. You get it. You get it, and that's what that's what makes that twenty four seven title so much different than any other title WWE have and has had. Because we're stepping into different genres of everybody's walks of life, and that's a great thing, man. The more people find out and know about WWE, the better to me. You know, yeah. better for everybody. Yeah, and I think that twenty four seven title, man, just it sets the ground, it sets the stage. Like you said, it's a way without even having to explain what WWE. is what WWE is, what we do, it's giving them a demonstration and you get to see it. And not one time have nobody been entertained. Exactly. Yeah. It's like you got 30 seconds to entertain somebody. What are you going to do? This is the perfect kind of vehicle to allow that to happen. And it doesn't take away from anything either. Then you can turn on Monday Night Raw, you can turn on SmackDown and you're still going to have the same quality match over here, the same promo over here. Like, you, you've still got all these elements that create this wrestling show, but now we've got this this piece of it that I don't think existed before. Do you have a favorite 24-7 title defense that you were a part of in the last year or so? Man, there's so many of them, man, that was good, man. Um, <laughs> the golf course was good, man, because that, uh, they, we, we shot, I think we did maybe like three takes on that. Mm-hmm. And the last take is when I told Carmela to like, we never even drove the golf cart before yet. <laughs> and I told her, I said, just, I said, when you push the gas, I said, you need to push it because these things are slow. It's probably going to put a putter along. I'm going to run past you, stop, and then I'll jump on. She said, okay. 
Sam, I couldn't catch that damn thing, man. <laughs> and she drugged me, man. She drugged me, man, the whole field of the golf court, man. And when we turned around, man, like the owner, it was about eight or nine guys over there, man, on the ground laughing that worked there. <laughs> and uh, that was a funny moment, man, um, The the uh, on the uh, tarp of the airport. Yeah, I was going to ask. Is, one, man. Johnny is, Ace came up to that one. That was a funny one. Is the tarmac hot? It was cold at that time. Okay, good. <laughs> good, good. It was cold at that time. But just being out there and doing that, man, was like, I think mean, that was like the birth of like, okay, this thing can get really crazy. Yeah. And, and the the me coming on Drake on his honeymoon, that's one of my favorite ones too as well. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, I, I feel like, uh, you know, and, and as long as the 24-7 title exists, I feel like you can't take anything away from how much Drake maverick added to the whole thing by like making his wedding a part of it and then making the whole storyline and the honeymoon yes. and yes. and everything i mean it i was, was very entertaining but entertaining and funny as hell yeah i think i was sold on the whole thing when i saw jinder mahal in his gear on a golf course once once he showed up to the golf course in full gear yes. that's when i was like okay yes. I'm, I'm sold like this i get it i'm sold i'm here i'm in it i'm, I'm in forever yes. <laughs> and that was the thing jinder was like they want me in my gear. I said, dog, that's even better. I'm about to laugh now. <laughs> yeah. And I just remember him putting his gear on in his car, like not even understanding this. And then when he saw like he left in 24 hours, we had over a million views. It was like, I get it. I said, bro, I'm about to run with this thing. Yeah. So I mean, look at it. I, I, Fox dropped me into an interview, uh, the new movie, the uh, Dolomite's My Name. Yeah. Man, I got a chance to like uh, interview Eddie Murphy, Michael Keaton K, Wesley Snipes, um, and these people, man, um, was wanting to come to the show that night. And uh, Wesley Snipes was talking about becoming the first actor to become 24-7 champion. Uh, so it's like, can you imagine if they put no that title on Wesley Snipes? <laughs> How great that would have been if Blade yeah, walked man. out with the title. <laughs> man, Wesley Snipes had his hand on his chin while we was, I was interviewing them, and he was still contemplating on... What do I have on my schedule tonight? Because I think I'm going to go to the Staples Center and try to win this title. By the way. And that would have been great, man. Do you ever think about your life? I mean, how many people on this planet have met and, like, shared even some time with Wesley Snipes, Eddie Murphy, and Tupac Shakur? Like, how many people have met all those, think, those yeah. three people? You know, you, I don't know that many people have met one of them. To, to to live this life where you've met all three of those people, it's like it's 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 baffling. It is. I mean, you just you just threw a pause in my ass, man. Like, wow, man. Like, yeah, that's that is really dope, man. And upon meeting Eddie Murphy, man, I, I, I when I walked in, he looked at me and he knew he recognized who I was. I'm like, do you watch Revenue? Like, yeah, I watch. I got kids. Wow. And so I'm like, okay, so he's gonna be loose. And I said, man, do y'all mind? I said, Eddie, can I just look at you for, just give me like 42 seconds. And he bust out laughing. He said, 42 seconds? I said, yeah. And everybody else started laughing. And I legit stood there 42 seconds and watched Eddie Murphy. And I'm like, dude, you're an icon, man. I can't believe I'm standing here talking to you, man, about the interview, man. And we laughed. I don't know how they edited that uh, interview, man. But me and Eddie laughed so much. It's like I've been knowing him my whole life, man. Me and Wesley laughed so much, man. So it was like... This 24-7, man, does so much, man. It's just introducing WWE to people or um, revisiting WWE with people and then them, like, just, you know what I'm saying, taking it all in, man, soaking it all up. 
how many of the ideas are yours and how many of the ideas are presented to you? Do you come to the table and go here? Ah, what if we did this? What if we did that? I want to do this. I want to do that. Or are there people calling you going, okay, here's what we're thinking. Here's what we want to do. Here's, here's where we want to go. We do both. Yeah. We do both. Cause, uh, uh, I would say uh, a good handful, a lot of men I came up with, um, the wedding thing, the honeymoon, like, uh, uh, we, we just pick the most, outrageous thing, man, ideas might just happen, we just throw it up, man. It's like um, throwing poop against the wall and see what's this. <laughs> yeah, and then turning it into lemonade. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And you drink it, and yeah. it's good, it's flavorful. It's delicious. <laughs> Sweet, it's wonderful. Uh, yes, almost you can say scrumptious. <laughs> I think you could. So you got the you got the Royal Rumble coming up on the 26th uh, in Houston. Is that Royal Rumble? I think the I, I believe it is I believe it is the Royal Rumble coming up on the 26th. Have you so Man. have you thought about like the elimination chamber? <laughs> yeah, see, see, that's what I think about. Like when you think about the Royal Rumble, and like I feel like your Money in the Bank Royal Rumble spot is going to be something that you get remembered for for a long time because that's like one of those perfect things. Do you ever get these ideas where like, oh man, this like pulling the ladder out and trying to climb it is perfect for this character. I wish I could do this every year because I don't know how I'm going to top it. Man, um, when I came up with that idea, uh, when it been off and I said, hey, I got an idea. I'm like, what? I was wondering if I, was, wondering if I had a ladder up on the, uh, the ring for the rumble. And he looked at me and burst out laughing because <laughs> they were doing it. <laughs> but you know, you know what? The- it was like, the best part I of that how good it would have turned out, Sam. I didn't know if everybody would be able to follow it or would like um would get it. But, but here's the here's man, the this the is the best part. I'm gonna tell you what the best part of the bit was for somebody that was watching it. It's when you reached up yeah. because when you reached up, you put your arms out in like the shape of a briefcase. So your arms are yeah. like up like almost like a square. Like you think there's gonna be a briefcase right above you, and you don't realize until that moment that there's there's nothing there. Like, why would you think there was a briefcase nothing there? there. Yeah. So they moved it. <laughs> Have you thought about? I got okie doke. <laughs> you did. You did. And then they eliminated you, and I didn't think it was fair. I didn't think it was right. fair. Yeah. Yeah. Have you thought about what you might be able to pull off for the Royal Rumble this year? I've been thinking. I've been thinking. Well, if I get a, if I get the pay per view correct. I'm gonna get them right, and um, it's gonna be a doozy. <laughs> you know, I feel like I feel it's like at the WWE really should be providing you with some kind of pay-per-view calendar, so that way, you know, I think that they may be purposely trying to make it so that you can't keep up with when pay-per-views are, because apparently everybody else gets this information and you don't. It doesn't seem fair. I think I'm being sabotaged uh, on the slot side. You know what I'm saying? I do too. Just to make our truth look like. Like, I ain't got it all together. Like, I, I can't get right. Which, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're sending me the wrong pay-per-views on the wrong date. <laughs> Do you have, before well, we wrap... I'm showing up. Yeah. yeah. No, I get it. I, I can see what's going on. It's clear to me. Uh, before we wrap up, do you have a, a most a favorite opponent in the 24-7 title kind of genre? Because you've, you've, you've had, you know, groups where you, you tend to have one or two opponents that you work with for a set period of time and then you move on to somebody else. Do you have a favorite era so far? 
Oh, man. It would have to be between Drake and Elias, man. Mm-hmm. It had to be between those two, man. Um, Sam has so many good 24-7 spots in there, man. I can't just pick one. Uh, and all the guys, man, good. What I just did with Tazawa was good, man. He's he's funny, too. I'd like to get him more time on that. Yeah, he was great. What do you think of the fact that you're a guy who's been in the ring with The Rock? You've been in the ring with John Cena, your childhood hero. <laughs> you've... you've You've yeah. been, you've been in every Saturday morning. Well, I know, I know, I remember. You've been NWA champion. You've been United States champion. You're a very decorated. You've had a very decorated career. How do you feel about the fact that we are we are dangling close to the idea that the twenty four seven championship may be your legacy in wrestling when it's all said and done? I am fine with that. I love it. I am. Like I'm, I'm beyond ecstatic about that, man. I, I've I've reached heights nobody else probably won't reach. I, I've been places, done things. I've joined together worlds, uh, made memories for people nobody else will ever be able to do, and that's true. I was at Madison Square Garden recently. I saw you exchanging the titles with the Singh brothers back and forth, and I said to myself, "That's odd." Yeah, that's right? odd. That's odd. Yes. Everything is odd. <laughs> yeah. Everything is odd, that's, man. That's you know odd. what I'm saying? Yeah. It was odd that they had me there against both of them. You know what I'm saying? That's odd. It was odd that both of them wanted one title. <laughs> you want two titles? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I do. Why ain't y'all going after the tag title? Why are you going after mine? That's odd. <laughs> it is. It's odd, man. Truth, I appreciate so much you giving me uh, all this time. Everybody obviously needs to be tuning in for the Royal Rumble on Sunday, January 26th, WWE Network. If you're in Houston, get those tickets. Monday Night Raw, of course, every Monday night on the USA Network. And Truth, you're a wonderful man. I appreciate it. My dog, appreciate it, Sam. Hey, you know I got some new music coming out, man. You're going to bring me back on when I, um, when I get my release date for this new single coming out? Anytime. You tell me when that music's coming out, and, and absolutely. You got it? You got it. Awesome. Sounds good, man. Right, Thank you. Jimmy say what's up, man. Look, Jimmy say what's up. Oh, tell Jimmy. It's been a while since I've talked to Jimmy. Tell Jimmy I said hi. He said hi. <laughs> okay. All right, yeah, man. Thank you. Down, man. He was a happy little tight, man. <laughs> right, man. Take care. Big thanks to R-Truth. You know, a lot of people ask what they can do to support this podcast. For those of you that don't know, Not Sam Wrestling is a completely independent DIY twice-weekly wrestling podcast and we've been going at it a lot longer than I think people even realize over five years at this point 200 however many almost 300 episodes of the franchise show plus so many more bonus shows Thursday not Sam Thursdays we try to pump out content all the time and the only way we get by is through the support of you guys so what can you do to support not Sam wrestling to make sure that not only does it keep existing but it exists in the highest capacity that it can possibly exist. Well, there's a couple things you could do. You could join our Patreon at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. For less than a dollar a week, you can become a money mark, and that will get you ad-free early releases of every podcast. It'll get you bonus shows, and it will get you access to our Discord room, which is open every single day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There's people in there talking about every wrestling show imaginable, as well as other wrestling podcasts. It's a really great community for you to join. If you don't want to shell out even, uh, you go. I know it's less than a dollar a week, 
but I don't have that kind of cash. All right, don't shell any money out. Go to iTunes, look up Not Sam Wrestling, give us a five-star rating, and leave a nice review. Five-star rating, leave a nice review. It helps more than you know. Let's say, okay, I'll do that, but I would like to do a little more. I don't want to spend any money, but I'd like to do a little more. Here's what you can do. YouTube.com slash NotSamWrestling. This one is a big deal. I've moved all of the wrestling content off of my YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash NotSam, and onto its own channel, YouTube.com slash NotSamWrestling. I'm starting from scratch. We're at the very, very bottom right now. Help bring us to the top. Hit the subscribe button and watch the videos. That's all you need to do. Just go to YouTube.com slash NotSamWrestling, hit subscribe, watch what we post. You'll enjoy it. I'll be happy, and everybody will be good. Thank you. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. So how about this? Thanks to R-Truth for being on the show, of course. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. But late breaking news as of me sitting down to record this podcast to the point where I had not heard this when I recorded the intro for today's show. So literally, as you're hearing the interview, this news is is coming through. According to Mike Johnson over at PW Insider, actually, I mean, according to PW Insider, I'm assuming it's Mike Johnson because that's his website, but let me see. Yeah, Mike Johnson's name is on it. Mike Johnson over at PW Insider, and I, I trust Mike Johnson. He's one of the good ones. Marty Skrull has re-signed with Ring of Honor. So that's the news. And somebody that I described a week ago as one of my top three free agents in wrestling, Marty Skrull, and the fact that I think that a lot of people assumed that when his contract, his contract had run out with Ring of Honor in November. You know, and it's no secret that he wasn't used uh, terribly well, especially after the rest of the elite guys went and started AEW and he was left in Ring of Honor. You know, you really could have capitalized on having that talent. And Ring of Honor, in my opinion, did not. Uh, I think at first, a lot of people's assumption was that he would just go to AEW. Uh, I think I made a pretty compelling case that the best possible thing he could do is actually go to NXT because at NXT he could theoretically be the biggest star in the promotion or at least one of the biggest stars and at AEW that probably wouldn't happen. He's not signed with either of them. He's re-signed with Ring of Honor. Now a lot of people were confused. Uh, He was making a, a, a lot of the rumor mills turn when he was advertised as being on a Ring of Honor show in February. Uh, when he made a surprise appearance at the NWA's last pay-per-view and has become, uh, you know, part of the NWA. But it is all starting to make sense. Nick Aldis showed up as a surprise at Ring of Honor's show on Saturday. So clearly the NWA and Ring of Honor are doing some kind of interpromotional battling, which I think is a glorious idea. I think it's brilliant. And I think it's really interesting that the NWA, this sort of TV studio wrestling world that feels like it exists on a planet somewhere far away from ours is actually going to be incorporating stuff from Ring of Honor and bringing some of their elements into Ring of Honor. I think it has the potential to be very, very interesting. Uh, But according to Mike Johnson and PW Insider, not only has Marty Scroll re-signed with Ring of Honor for an... uh, unsaid amount of time, 
The assumption is that it's a long-term deal, but who knows. But he apparently is also the head booker now at Ring of Honor. Delirious had been doing the head booking at Ring of Honor for years at this point. Uh, and Marty Skrull, which again, this is one that I don't think anybody, except maybe those who are in the know, I'll bet those who are in the know probably knew this was a possibility based on the fact that it happened. But none of us fans, I didn't see this as a talking point with anybody, that not only would he re-sign with Ring of Honor, but he would then sign on as their head booker. So for all intents and purposes, creatively speaking, Marty Skrull is in charge of Ring of Honor. That is a huge job because we can sit here. The, the beautiful part about being just a talent, being just like AW has this same thing. We could sit there when it was like when Cody Rhodes was in Ring of Honor. If we liked what we were seeing, we could say, oh, Cody's awesome. And if we didn't like what we were seeing, we could say, oh, when will Ring of Honor just figure out how to use Cody Rhodes? That can't happen anymore for Cody. And now it can't happen with Marty Skrull. Marty Skrull now has to answer not only for the well-being of his character, but for the well-being of all the characters in Ring of Honor. I think this is super interesting. Ring of Honor is clearly trying to change things up. They brought in Dan Housen which Danhausen likes. They brought in uh, Dan Moff, which is huge. They've brought in all these people. Now, Jeff Cobb, I'm hearing, because Jeff Cobb was on my, not on my top three list, but I mentioned him as just under. Uh, he's signed a Ring of Honor deal where he doesn't necessarily have to work exclusively for Ring of Honor. He's signed a Ring of Honor deal where he's staying in Ring of Honor, but he's also going to be working in the indies. Maybe that's a, part of what Marty Skrull is doing. Maybe Marty Skrull is opening the world up so that guys can work outside of Ring of Honor. I think it would be a smart move at this point. You know, I think that the fact that so many people are getting locked up by WWE and by AEW, it's leaving the independents with less and less. I think if you have the guys from Ring of Honor also doing independence and these people on the independence building a buzz and the best of the best are all in ring of honor. So, you know, you can go to your local independent show to see Marty Skrull or Jeff Cobb or Dan Housen or Dan Moff or whoever it is in an indie match and then go like, he's my favorite guy ever. Oh, and he's on ring of honor. I'm going to start watching ring of honor. I think that that's going to happen in droves. I think. So I would love to hear that that's part of what's happening. But I am very, very surprised um, by all this. I'm very, very surprised because I really did think that it would be one of the two. Like, I can't sit here and say I really did think that he would go to NXT because I knew that it was probably just as likely that he would go to AEW. I really did hope that he was going to NXT. I was watching NXT this week thinking about what an impact it would be if either at Worlds Collide or at, you know, take over Portland if he showed up. But I guess he's not going to. Because I guess he'll be busy headbooking and being a superstar of Ring of Honor. And what's this going to mean, too? When the world knows that he's head booker, like, people thought that he should have been Ring of Honor world champion this entire time, right? So now if he becomes Ring of Honor champion, 
are people going to keep that same energy? Are people going to sit there and go, yeah, Marty Skrull is the guy I've been waiting for, or are they going to go, well, of course he's champion now. He's the head booker. He put himself in the best possible position. And then are we going to start liking somebody else and going, why is Marty Skrull, you know, putting himself in all the good positions? But I think it's going to get really, really interesting. I think Ring of Honor just shook things up a lot more than anybody thought Ring of Honor would be doing. That's that's the legacy of Ring of Honor, man. That is the history. That is the past, present, and future of this promotion. It's not the first time that people would sit there and say Ring of Honor is dead. People just as about counted Ring of Honor out of this whole conversation going into 2020. And now they drop a bomb like this. This is a biggie. You know, and I mean, they can make something happen. As I said, Dan Housen, Dan Moff, they still got Bully Ray. Marty Skrull, obviously, Matt Taven, Maria Manic. I think Ring of Honor is going to have to make a lot of changes, but they just made one. They just made a pretty big one. So we'll see what, what Marty Skrull does now that I guess he's got the pencil. I guess he's the man over there. Who knew that was even an aspiration of his? But isn't it interesting that somebody who was one of the Bullet Club elite guys is now going in the same direction that they are with, you know, kind of promotion running, but doing it for a different promotion. Very, 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 very interesting. Very, very interesting. And I'm uh, I'm looking forward to see how this pans out. Um, a couple of things. Uh, with contracts, um, there's rumors that Matt Hardy might be leaving WWE in March, which I hope he doesn't. I think that this is a good spot for him to, the, the WWE is a good space for him to end his career, but... Who knows? Maybe he's got other things that he wants to do. And the big rumors circulating, and who knows if this is true. Even the people on the internet who are sometimes reliable, they're not saying this is happening. They're saying this could be happening. There are rumors of both Paige and Edge returning, maybe for the Royal Rumble. I think Edge would be the bigger surprise. Um, and I think Edge gives us a lot more to talk about. I think if Paige did end up returning for the Royal Rumble, it would be a great thing. She would be a giant star in the women's division on either Raw or SmackDown. Uh, but then that would be that. She would just be a huge name added to the women's division. And we'd all be happy to see Paige back. I think we're missing, you know, Paige's second run, Paige's return to WWE was far too short-lived. And she missed too much time during that weird period in her life. So I hope, I hope that those rumors are true. I really also hope that the Edge rumors are true. Because the Edge rumor I find endlessly fascinating. Now, if it's true that a doctor has said he can wrestle again, one would think that if he were ever going to do it, it would be when his wife is on the road with the company. Beth Phoenix started doing kickoff shows and and dipping her foot in the broadcasting world uh, after she got her Hall of Fame, you know, nomination. And since then has just hit the ground running and is has become, you know, a centerpiece of NXT, is on the road with WWE all the time because of, of uh, takeovers and coinciding with kickoff shows and all this stuff. So she's back in a big, big way, in a full-time way. And I would have to imagine... That Edge is, hey, what's going on over there? Hey, how are things? 
I didn't realize it was going to be a house husband. You know, I might still have a little gas left in the tank. And if she's enjoying herself, which she seems to be, then he's like, oh, maybe there's things over there to enjoy. I think Edge entering the scene in 2020 is wholly unexpected and a hugely big deal. Every match that he would have is a main event. I mean, not only a main event, a dream match. And part of that is because we had all just kind of dealt with the fact that he was never going to wrestle again. It was something that was like shocking when it happened. And then after a few years and he's not on TV and he's completely away from the product, you go, okay, he's done. And do the Edge and Christian show and they do the Edge and Christian podcast. And it's like all that stuff. We're happy to see him again. Obviously, he's always been entertaining, always been charismatic. But you go, yeah, this is what he does now. The idea that he might be back and we might see, we I mean, we could see Edge versus Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. We could see Edge versus The Fiend. We could see Edge versus Seth Rollins. Edge, Edge versus Roman Reigns. And who knows? Is he coming back for a short run or is he coming back full time? Edge versus Samoa Joe. All this stuff. Edge versus Kevin Owens. Hell, Edge versus Drew McIntyre. Everywhere you go, there's something. Edge and Daniel Bryan. All of it. I mean, I think that Edge's run in WWE, for as much good as gets talked about it, I still think it's underrated. I think Edge, as a heel at the time, was as good as a heel could possibly get. I think that Edge, the ultimate opportunist, you know, I think it reinvented Money in the Bank. I think it it reinvented what being a bad guy is all about. I I mean, I thought he was so incredibly good. I I mean, even right down to taking something deeply personal, like the Lita storyline, and turning it into a storyline that is so disgusting and torrid and having live sex celebrations and the whole thing. I mean, being the rated R superstar in a PG era and having people not laugh at you is a big deal. I think seeing where Edge could potentially fit into the WWE in 2020 is something that we could talk about for hours. I would far prefer, I don't, I'm not looking to see Edge come back and do what Batista did and kind of come back for one storyline with one guy, whether it's John Cena or whether it's Triple H or whether it's any of that, I would love, and I don't even want to get my hopes up because it could just be rumors. And we already had to deal with hearing that Edge is never going to wrestle again way too early in his career once. So I don't want to get my hopes up too much and think about what could be and then have it not happen. But can you imagine what could happen? I mean... Edge's run, when he came out and said he couldn't wrestle anymore, it was so shocking just because he was at the peak and prime of his career. He looked perfectly healthy. Everybody was ready for so much more from him, and then it just ended like that. So I love the idea that there might be more. I remember sitting there in Orlando at WrestleMania 24, seeing Edge get the main event title match, last match on the show against The Undertaker, all at WrestleMania. I mean, that to me is the quintessential Edge. But the I think, you know, 
his feud with John Cena. You could argue some people like John Cena versus CM Punk the best. And that match with CM Punk at Money in the Bank was the best. The John Cena. That's my favorite CM Punk match. My favorite John Cena match. One of my favorite matches of that decade. But the rivalry between John Cena and Edge. I mean, all of Edge's rivalry is just making you believe. Man, what Edge could look like in 2020 is amazing. Um, speaking of amazing, I thought, look, and, and stranger things have happened. You know, Daniel Bryan returned back from his injury. John Morrison showed back up in WWE years after he left, and everybody assumed he would never be back. So stranger things have happened. Um, the NXT UK takeover was awesome. It was so good. If you only, it, it was like two and a half hours. So there's no reason for you not to be able to go back and watch the whole thing. Although we just had a conversation at the top of the show about how much the ridiculous amount of wrestling there is available for everybody. I think if you had to go back and watch only one match, hmm, the ladder match was really good. The women's triple threat was really good. Tyler Bate versus Jordan Devlin, to me, was my favorite match. I love the storytelling in it. I love multiple times in that match. I was sitting there watching on my phone, and I had to hit the 10-second rewind so I could show my wife what I had just seen. I loved it. I thought I think that that was my favorite match of the night. I loved that uh, there was the inclusion of the Undisputed Era at the end just as the sort of uh, uh, preview for what's to come in a, a war, a Worlds Collide. I keep saying War of the Worlds. Worlds Collide. I'm very much looking forward to that. But, you know, NXT UK simply does not disappoint with takeovers. And that's a high bar, right? The takeover brand. NXT takeovers are, as I've said, the best shows in wrestling. So the fact that NXT UK could show up. And let's be honest, a lot of the roster... The American audience is not all that familiar with a bunch of them. So the fact that they could show up and say, we're going to put something that is on quality-wise, that is on the level of the TakeOver brand, that's a big risk, that's a big step, and they did it, man, and they and they nailed it. I thought it was really, really good. Really, really good. Go out of your way to watch it. Um, and finally, there was a conversation going on in the Discord room with a bunch of the not Sam shills. And it's really, really interesting because they're right. A lot of, a bunch of them were upset that Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Wrestler of the Year came down to Adam Cole and then Jericho is the runner-up. And a lot of people felt that Kofi Kingston should have either been the runner-up or Wrestler of the Year. And you think about it, and it really does go to show how damaging that loss to Brock Lesnar was for Kofi because... I don't think there's any argument you could make that in 2019, from February until October, I mean, that's two-thirds of the year. That's nine months. February to October, Kofi Kingston was the wrestler of the year. Kofi Kingston's lead to WrestleMania was, was perfect. Kofi Kingston's moment at WrestleMania will be talked about forever. Kofi Kingston after WrestleMania defending the title. Some people were critical of it, but I thought he had the best post-WrestleMania season out of anybody. He and Becky Lynch, I guess, but I think he 
his post-WrestleMania season was the best until he came in contact with Brock Lesnar. And then the question gets raised, is everything that Kofi Kingston done, is it either erased or brought down that far? Because Brock Lesnar beat him in 30 seconds. And I've got to tell you, you know, and really, the majority of what Jericho and Adam Cole did happened right around the same time through the end. So like Kofi Kingston had the whole first two thirds and Jericho and Adam Cole, the majority of what they did, the real groundwork they put in was the last third of the year. So I get the criticism. I would probably put Kofi second place. I love Adam Cole being first place because I think that Adam Cole being first place has as much to do with Adam Cole as it does the entire NXT brand. And so I support that. But I can get behind the criticism. I could I could I could get behind the argument of putting Kofi in second place because I mean he did have the majority of that year was all Kofi. It just it came to such a screeching halt. And that still needs to be corrected in my opinion. That it changed the way people look at it, but I guess correcting it is neither here nor there. We'll get to it when we get to it. All right guys, we're going to wrap up I appreciate all you guys being here. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Don't forget to send emails in. NotSamWrestling at gmail.com. Oh, there was uh, one Patreon submission I wanted to get to. Ricky on Patreon said, I think Brock goes through all 29 entrants and the Elimination Chamber clears up the main event picture. He's talking about the Royal Rumble, obviously, and I think there is a very real possibility that Brock Lesnar could win the Royal Rumble, and they just figured out after that. I got a long email setting something else up for Brock Lesnar, but I think that, that if Brock Lesnar wins the Royal Rumble, it would just be, well, we'll go to the Elimination Chamber to figure it out. And then over on SmackDown, who knows? They'll have to figure something else out. Maybe they'll put Raw and SmackDown guys in the chamber. I don't know. There's a lot of possibilities. Maybe we'll talk about some of them on Thursday. For Thursday, Not Sam Thursday, don't forget to send those emails in. NotSamWrestling at gmail.com is the email address. I'll get into all that and a whole lot more on Thursday. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Not Sam Wrestling.